The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Extra 106.3 would like to welcome you home. This is the All Four Seasons Home Show with Jim Niarcos and Dan Watkins, only on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome to the All Four Seasons Home Show with your sponsor, Dan Watkins. I'm Jim Niarcos. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, Jim. I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's another great day here in hot Atlanta, and uh, it's getting pretty hot around here with all the increase in crime, Dan. You know, we yeah. talk about it all the time. Well, there's no doubt. That, is, that has definitely gone up at a rate that we've never seen. And why, why are we talking about crime right now, Dan? Because we always try to stay on the cutting edge trends, what's happening, what people's interested in, what our audience wants to hear about. So we've searched far and wide for the best and the brightest to bring on the show as our subject matter expert today is no exception. I, I know it, Jim. We, we always get the best. So, so I'm expecting the best. And uh, this gentleman is very busy, very successful, so we're really happy he took the time to come here. And this is attorney Michael Barber. Michael, welcome to the All Four Seasons Home Show. We're happy to have you here, and thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for allowing me to come on. Well, it's it's great to have you, and I just wanted, I just thought our audience would be interested in possibly getting a little short bio on yourself and how you got into law and the genesis of your firm and that type of thing. Sure. So um, I practice out of the family law firm. My dad was an attorney also, so I'm a second generation attorney. Um, The main office is located in Dunwoody. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of fun working out of that office because it brings back a lot of memories every time I go in. Sure, I'm sure. and I got into criminal law. That was not what my father did. Right. My, my father right. practiced a lot of real estate law, a lot of family law. Right. Um, and after working for him, uh, I began working at his firm when I was around 14 um, and had a lot of fun doing that and went what, back. What an education, right? Uh, I mean, somewhat. Uh, it was yeah. kind of get up, we're going to work. Or orientation, so, rather, I guess. Yeah. Compared yeah. to somebody who didn't have that opportunity. True. Um, he did no criminal law, um, mm-hmm. very little because he didn't like it. Um, but after I graduated from law school, I determined that that was kind of my calling. And right. I got to go right. be a solicitor down at uh, City of Atlanta Municipal Court. I had a lot of fun doing that and got a lot of exposure from them. They sponsored me to go to various locations, such as the Public Safety Training Center, mm-hmm. and um, help with their curriculum at the Atlanta Police Training Academy. So after I finished there, did a little stint there, and then went out on my own. Well, I know you, you practice other areas of law, and we're going to get into that later on the show, but uh, a question, and Dan and I talk about it all the time, why do you think that, that crime is skyrocketing so much here in Metro Atlanta? I know that's a complicated question and has a complicated answer, but what, from your perspective, which is very unique, what, what, what do you think's happened? Uh, I think it's exposure. I think that people were contained for so long, um, during the pandemic, um, we we get a little bit of freedom and we kind of lose track when we get out there. Um, sometimes it results in bad things happening. Sometimes people have a lot of fun, but I, I think it that has a strong inf- impact on the mixture. I see. 
Um, well, listen, when you talk about some of those things, too, I mean, we, we see also what happened with the police and, you know, just the kind of the demonizing of the police. I mean, do you think that had a factor at all with just people, you know, one, the, the police maybe backing off a little bit because they were afraid that they were going to be the next one to get thrown into jail or just quitting jobs and having a shortage of police? I mean, do you th- see that as, as, a, as a problem as well? Absolutely. Being understaffed is a huge issue. Um, the police were understaffed before all of the pandemic, and I believe it continues to be understaffed. Um, without police, it, it's difficult to have anything going on. Um, and a lot of the impact I believe it's had uh, with everything that's going on has been many people want to run from the police. They, they don't go to them for help, which is, I mean, that's what the foundation of the police department is, is we, right. we call them when we need assistance. Uh, and I, I think that's backfired immensely. Yeah, I, I feel like, too, that maybe maybe some people are running, like literally running from the police where maybe they would have given themselves up to. It just feels like, you know, just what, when you watch things on TV and you, you know, there's, there's that certain narrative that's out there and, you know, they're kind of following that and it just seems to be kind of one thing leads to another. When people come to see us, a lot of truths we have to dispel were learned off of um, shows like Law and Order and uh, <laughs> Boston Legal. While they are entertainment, uh, right. that's not how the law works. It's it's very bizarre, some of the stuff that I've heard when people come to visit with, with us. Um, and then I sit down usually and I have a big board in my office that I like to use and I go over everything with them telling them hey this is this is why you're in this position and this is how it actually works and we go through everything with them to make sure that they understand exactly how how the law works because that's the most important part well you know I feel like too the other thing and and listen I've had some uh, I've needed a lawyer not the criminal criminally but um, with some other things and it's funny family members will talk to me about things and it just doesn't seem to make sense, right? Well, how can that happen? How can how can the law be doing this? It doesn't make sense, right? It does. It, it but law isn't common sense, right? I mean, the law is the law, and and it has to be interpreted that way, not common sense, but just by the law. That's correct for most of it. Uh, we had our the foundation of our legal system was built on common law. Um, so when you say common sense, that's where my brain went, was the common law originals. But we've changed and modified it, codified and modified everything through state statutes. Um, and a lot of them are confusing. Uh, in fact, a great many of them are confusing. I've, I've had arguments before for whether or not a bicycle qualifies for a DUI charge. Uh, sure. So, What are you, the most common crimes here in Atlanta that you, that you see? What are, what are we, what, is, there, is there one or two or three crimes that are just skyrocketing? I mean, what, what are the most you see from your perspective? Um, well, of course, we see a lot of driving under the influence. Um, sometimes it's just I, – I, some cases that come across, I can't figure out how they got charged with it. Um, simple battery domestic violence, that's that's a big uptick since the COVID has hmm. happened. Interesting. Um, um, Agrisalts, drug charges, I think everything's kind of up yeah. across the board. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as the drugs, I mean, you feel like that has anything to do with maybe drugs getting in a little easier um, across the border. I've been hearing a lot about the fentanyl and and how that's been, been coming over the southern border. I mean, have you seen anything here in Atlanta as far as that goes where you've seen that uptick? Um, not in regards to that. Uh, I have seen an, an uptick in various others, uh, a lot of marijuana, but I think that's because it's the treatment of it has kind of, gotten more lax than it has been. Um, 
but it's legal in all these other states, right? Or and, right. I, and I think, that's, and that's what I mean by that. Yeah, it just doesn't look. It's just not the same as it used to be, right? And they're seeing this in other states where this is just common, and and so everybody's kind of treating it like it's legal here, right? Um, that's when I go to court, uh, especially. I've been. I, in fact, I was in the city of Atlanta and heard a prosecutor talking to somebody, and they just told him, "Sorry, but it's not legal here. You need to understand that." All right. It, that I mean, you can't make it any clearer than that. Unfortunately. Sure. Um, but again, they seem to be loosening up a little bit on it, so it's the treatment's different. What would what What do you want people to know before choosing a criminal defense attorney? What should people know that they just don't know they, before they? All of a sudden, they're hit with a serious, tra- serious traffic violation or a DUI or a minor drug offense or whatever, and, and they don't know what to do next. What, what, what would you tell them as far as choosing the right criminal defense attorney? Well, obviously, knowledge is going to be key to choosing a defense attorney, but the most important part is being able to talk with somebody. Um, if you go and talk to the attorney and you're not getting a good rapport with them, you're not going to have a good rapport at any time. You need to be able to easily sit down because later when you have questions, who's going to answer the questions? And then Mm -hmm. if you're scared to call them because you don't have good rapport with them, you're you're not going to do that. It's just going to end up with ineffective representation. Dan, it sounds like there needs to be a chemistry between a client and and, an attorney, right? Well, I think that's, yeah. Listen, it doesn't matter who you're, you know, whether you're getting a debt company, right, or a a roofer or or an attorney, right? I mean, you need to have rapport with that person that came into your into your home in that situation, right? The, right. You, so sure. you trust them. Um, the other thing I would think would be an important part, and you tell me if I'm right. You know, I I look at you know what you've done in the past, right? I mean, if you if you have experience, and maybe you have experience on the prosecution side, I mean, that's got to be helpful. And then just that maybe you've worked around certain judges or things like that. I mean, that can't hurt to have somebody that's familiar with judges as well. Just you know, maybe maybe to just help you get in, whether it be some evidence or or, or whatever the situation is, right? When it's kind of an in between situation, right? That the tie kind of goes to the to the lawyer that uh, maybe is a little more familiar with that judge. I might I might think. Um, well, I do have a lot. We the firm does have a lot of familiarity with with judges, and we pride ourselves on that because we've been doing it for so long. But we don't. As far as terms of evidence and everything, we, we don't ever abuse that privilege because it is a privilege to know judges. It is a privilege to be a part of the system and be known in the system. Um, and we have a reputation for that. So, Well, law, listen, law can be interpreted different ways, right? The same, the same evidence, right? I mean, you could have one judge that permits something and a second judge doesn't. So there's, there's personality that comes into play, right? And there's, there's um, just the way that people think and, 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 and how they interpret things. So... Um, Listen, I would think that would be uh, would certainly be something, and that comes with experience, right? Absolutely. Um, knowing what your judge or how your judge is going to react to something is very important, particularly when you're trying to get evidence in, because some judges follow exact strict guidelines, and some are a little more lax in how they'll allow you to submit the evidence. Um, or if you've got a plea worked out that you want to submit to the judge, some judges like to pre-try the case and find out why, and some judges allow do it in stanter right in front of them it really just depends or you know maybe how they're likely to sentence right so you maybe know maybe the plea bargain versus you know going ahead with the case too that 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 it's good knowledge to have uh, yes it is knowing and understanding how a judge is going to sentence is very important because you'll know whether or not they'll take the plea 
because there are, are some judges that won't take a plea if it's written up a certain way. So, Absolutely. Well, Dan, we're coming up on a break. You know, the show is moving fast here, but if you're just joining us, you're listening to the All Four Seasons Home Show with our sponsor, Dan Watkins. I'm Jim Niarcos, and this week we're talking about all things to do with law with attorney Michael Barber. We're going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about DUIs. And there's a lot of DUIs in Atlanta. Maybe you've had one or a family member or a friend's had one. We'll be right back with some very valuable information. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. This is the All Four Seasons Home Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the All Four Seasons Home Show with your sponsor, Dan Watkins. I'm Jim Nearkis. And if you just join us, we're here with attorney Michael Barber. And, Michael, I want to talk about, about DUIs. I mean, everybody has some common interest in that. And, uh, my gosh, uh, I mean, you're a former DUI prosecutor. You're on the Atlanta DUI Task Force. You're D- DUI guest lecturer at Georgia Public Safety Training Center where the officers get trained. Uh, the Atlanta Police Academy Guest DUI Instructor, Atlanta DUI Advisory Task Force Committee. You are the DUI guy, right, Dan? It sure looks like it. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk DUI laws. How have they changed over the years? They've changed quite a bit. There A long time ago, and a lot of people don't know this, it, it started at .12. That was the breath, breath alcohol. Um, and now it's down to .08. So it's, wow. it's decreased quite a bit. Um, the Dan, tr- we're in trouble. Oh, well, listen, I, not to cut you up, but I remember when that happened, too. They were going to take away federal funding, right, if, if you didn't take it down from 1 to, to 0.08. Wow. Correct. Well, could proceed. Go ahead. And the training itself has changed. Um, the training has gotten better for the officers. Uh, a lot of the officers received training uh, at either the Atlanta Police Training Academy or they'll get it where the troopers get their training, which is at the Georgia Public Safety Training Center. Both of them are well-founded. They they have to learn a lot in a short amount of time. Mm. Well, talk about some of the things. Let's just, I mean, let's just start off, right? When you get pulled over, if you're a, you know, you're the person and maybe you've had some drinks, whatever, <clears throat> what what should you do? How should you act to the police officer? Or what should you not do? Yeah. <laughs> Being abusive with the police officers is always bad. Yeah, yes, um, it is. They're there to do a job. So and people they, have a hard time understanding that, don't they, Dan? <laughs> Especially these days. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um they're, they're there to do a job, and but to answer the question in short, there's no one easy answer as to what you need to do if you've been drinking and you've been pulled over. Um, the, the, the key crux to everything is what is going on around you, and, and that's what I always tell everyone. There's no answer about don't do fields, don't take the test, don't do this. That's not the kind of advice that I give. It's mm-hmm. more about being alert as to what's going on around you and what you think you should do. 
Right, um, right. For instance, a lot of people don't know, if you do refuse the breathalyzer at the very end, they'll ask you if you want to take a breathalyzer test at the jail and you refuse, you can be faced with a license suspension. And that's kind of important in our mm. town. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people think that uh, you don't have to you don't have to be forced to take the breathalyzer. It might be a bad idea to take it, even if they haven't had that much to drink. They, you know, but what you're saying is they can slap you with a uh, license suspension. Correct. Um, after you've, let's say you do refuse. Um, after that happens, you do have an option to attempt to stop the refusal by submitting a letter to the Department of Driver Services. Uh, that letter will stop that automatic suspension, but then you get to have a hearing on that. And that's separate and apart from the criminal action. That's a civil action in front of the Office of State Administrative Hearings. How does that usually turn out? Um, usually some negotiation with the officer, talk about talk about the entire investigation with the officer and go through it that way with him. So You know, I've also heard her. people say, you know, when you get your breathalyzer, maybe you get it at the station or what have you that people you know say hey you should ask for a blood test what do you have what's your thoughts well if the officer if the officer asks for a breath test um that's that's the choice you can then ask for a blood test afterwards but you you're going to have to pay for that blood test they they don't offer it offer the breath test and then offer to give you the blood test as well is it more accurate it's going to be more accurate as far as what's in the blood um there's all kinds of when they teach it uh, at the upper levels of the standardized field sobriety testing, they show this little bell curve, and then they show you know your peak, and then the after part and the before part, and then you have to extrapolate all that information across it. Breathalyzer is closer to an instant reading, um, and the science seems to think that both of them are equally as as good. But well, I have a question. Uh, the levels they have they've lowered the levels of the breathalyzer, like you've said over the years. Is the current level, is it really fair, or is it, is it extreme? Uh, well, that's, that's a loaded question. You know, um, because, like, if I have a couple beers or a couple cocktails, and I'm absolutely, like most of us, I think, are absolutely, we're fine, as long as you don't go over that. But if I get a breathalyzer, I've had two cocktails or two beers, am I going to be nailed? From what I understand, yes. Well, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, you have to be stopped first. So well, that's what I mean. If you're stopped and they give you a breathalyzer because of the low level, are they going to say, well, oh, you're, you're intoxicated? You're... Well, there's a guideline that the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration says that each al alcohol container will increase the breath, al breath alcohol volume by. Um, and that's going to depend on intake. It's mm -hmm. going to depend on body weight. It's unfortunately going to depend on the amount of fat you have in your body as well. How do you metabolize alcohol? There's mm -hmm. so many mm -hmm. derivatives that go into so it. So does it help to have more fat? or <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, does it, does it, does it help? Is it, is it, do you have less alcohol, alcohol in your system if you did have more fat in your body? I'm All of curious. a sudden, I feel empowered, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily what I meant, but, but I like where it's going. Um, no, not necessarily. It, it is really about how your body metabolizes the alcohol. You know, they also say, too, uh, a man metabolizes, what, at like one and a half times the, the speed of a woman, too, if I remember correctly. Based on those figures, that determines that that is a lean individual, someone who is not. Yeah, so it's more of the, that body weight composition and the, the, the fat. Okay. Well, you know, Michael, uh, if a person is charged with a DUI, it can be an expensive experience. What's the average cost to defend yourself? To defend yourself or to hire an attorney to, to defend to you? defend yourself through an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody in their right mind is going to defend themselves, are they? 
I'm sure you've met some, though, haven't you, Michael? There's a there's a famous line that says only a fool defends himself, mm-hmm. um, and I believe Abraham Lincoln said that, right, and right. I, I, it stuck to my head for a very long time. It really depends on um, how the DUI is structured. Is this your second? Is this your third? Well, like and, a first-time DUI, I mean. So that's going to depend on the attorney that you hire mm-hmm, and how mm-hmm. much they charge. I mean, mm-hmm. rates can start as low as $3,500. i have heard people out there charging Fifteen hundred, um, which is extremely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what kind of service you're getting based right, on that. Right. Our firm starts at thirty-five hundred plus mm-hmm. the additional hundred and fifty mm-hmm. to do the uh, the driver's license, mm-hmm. um, and it goes up from there depending on. I see. How much trouble the individual is in? Because I've heard like uh, the average is, uh, you know, which you you know hearsay, but well, like five thousand dollars by the time you're all said and done. So that's going to most likely involve the fines. Um, and depending on where you get charged, mm-hmm. whether it gets reduced, right? Um, some fines are as low as six, seven hundred dollars. Some mm-hmm. it's a thousand dollars per charge. So mm-hmm. if you've got somebody that's got a speeding charge, a failure to maintain lane charge, right? A All DUI. That's yes. I mean, you're looking at the law says it can be as much as a thousand dollar fine on each one of those, and twelve months in jail. Because in Georgia, a lot of people don't know that traffic violations are crimes here. Mm-hmm. Um, people visiting from Florida, South Carolina, pretty much everywhere else, they get here and we get a phone call from them. And then I say, well, you know, this is a crime here. And it's just they don't understand that because it's there's just traffic violations in the other states. You know, this is a super open-ended question that I, I wouldn't expect you to know the exact answer to this. But generally, how are the courts in Atlanta um, – how are they plea bargaining? Or, or are they plea bargaining in a lot of these situations? I mean, is there, is there, is there anything to plead to, or is this kind of a rubber stamp? It's not a rubber stamp. Um, the courts in Atlanta are, the DUI courts are well run. Um, they have a, an excellent head in that department, and uh, she does. She did a very good job getting those courts together. They administered the law. I mean, they will look at everything and make a determination based on facts, not just. A rubber stamp, so to speak. Um, yeah, they're kind of looking at if, if you obviously, again, if we're talking maybe a first one, when you get into your second and third, right? I mean, then you don't have much of a leg to stand on, I'm sure, in those situations. It's going to be fact driven at that point. So I've I've seen th- they're less likely to reduce a case, which I feel is where this question is going, if it's a second and five, third and five, because they're they're worried that if they do that, then there will be an issue. Now, sometimes they don't have a choice um, because you can have motions hearings and everything if the facts support it, the evidence. And that's why where evidence comes in really important because you've got to get the written statements from the officer. You've got to see if there's a video. You've got to make sure everything was done correctly. It, it gets chaotic when you're facing a lot of problems. How often do cases go to trial? It's case-by-case basis. It really does depend. I, I've had cases before where I thought would never go to trial, and they went. And I've had cases that I was like, there's no way this is going to work out for the client. We need to prep this for trial. And we started prepping it. And then a month later, we get it negotiated to something that the client liked. Hmm. So, What about on, on a .08? I mean, is that something they might uh, might take down to a reckless driving ever? Or is it like, listen, if you're at .08, it doesn't matter. That, that's it. That's enough. And, and That's enough for the state. Yeah. It, there, the, there, there, there's no going down to reckless driving from there. Well, that's not what I said. <laughs> so it, it's enough for them to go forward on the case. Um, they, most of the prosecutors that I deal with, they're very good at their job, and they, they understand the law. The problem that a 
conceptually that a lot of people have is that um, there are two parts. Well, there's actually five parts to the DUI statute, but A1 is referred to as less safe. Uh, and that means that you're under 0.08 and you exhibited less safe driving. That's the most simplistic way to think about that. That's 0.04 to 0.08. Then there's A5, and that is over the limit. That's over 0.08. So, for instance, we were talking earlier or previously about someone that, well, I don't know if I want to take the breath test. I'm not going to take the breath test and everything. They're going to write you down as an A1, less safe. And that's going to be falling in that first juncture, which is under 0.08. What about uh, a minor that's getting a DUI? How is that usually treated? And is, is, there, is there more punishment or kind of the same? So that's a different part of the statute. It's K-1. Um, when a minor is involved, it's, it's an even lower standard. Um, that's up 2.04. And I always say, imagine it like this. If you have just um, taken some scope or some Listerine, you can test positive on the breathalyzer with that. Can so, you get a .04 with that? I have not seen it, but I've heard it can be done that way uh, at some of the classes that I took when I was going to Gypstick. So people that leave the club in Buckhead and they have a little air, uh, travel bottle of scope in their console and they swish that around and gargle in their mouth thinking, well, if I get stopped, at least I won't have the breath of liquor. They're actually, it's actually going to backfire on them. Uh, it can backfire in two ways. Uh, the first part is what we just said. Now, keep in mind that the breathalyzer is going to be much later, right, so it's not right. going to have an effect on that. But the officer is going to note that in his field notes as a cover-up smell, uh, and that's what they typically refer to that. And they will refer to that uh, for cigarettes, uh, for pretty much anything that they think can be a cover-up. That's going to be noted Interesting. that way. Yeah, mints. Well, listen, once we – now you've been charged, right? You've been pulled over. Now it's it's time, right? You've You've – selected your attorney as an attorney what are some of the things that you're doing to help your client you know successfully get through this case so negotiation is key uh, someone that keeps in contact with the attorney that's handling it for the state or prosecutor in this case uh, and that's going to be determined based on which county it's in some counties have probate and that'll be a solicitor or they'll have state court still a solicitor uh, anything pretty much that's under Superior Court is going to be a Solicitor General or an Assistant Solicitor General. And then when you get to Superior Court, it'll be a District Attorney. For DUIs in particular, you've got to make sure that your attorney is keeping in contact with the court. That's ultra important. Keeping in contact, if they can, with the Solicitor's Office. Now, when you get farther out, um, the Solicitors are not full-time. They are part-time Solicitors. So, Real quick, how do, you, how do you make sure they are doing that? Well, you don't want to micromanage your attorney. That's always bad, um, at least in my experience, because sometimes you'll, you'll call and you'll call and you'll call and you'll call, and then the attorney will get flustered or the staff will get flustered because they can only answer your same question every other day so many ways. Uh, but it's always good to check in with your attorney and say, hey, are there any updates? Hey, can I get some information? Mm -hmm. uh, we have a case management system, that, and we tell the clients, just text us, and that's part of the case management software and we'll get a text message and then we can update them instantly. But it's important because if, if your attorney's not getting your discovery, if your attorney's not talking to the prosecutor, you may end up going to court that day and not even know what's going on with your case. So then what, I, I know I cut you off. So, so after you're, you keep up with them, what, what other things are you doing as a, as an attorney to, uh, or, or what should you be doing as an attorney to, to keep your client's best interest in mind? Right. So the first thing that I always ask a client is, did the officer take your license? 
Um, most of the time that answer is yes, and then I ask how long ago it happened, and we have to make sure that if it's been a certain amount of time, because you have 30 days from the date of your arrest, to send in that letter. I always advise the client to send in the letter because our licenses are so important in this state Um, because public transit just doesn't go everywhere. You can't use it for everything you need to use it for. So if you don't have a license, you can't drive. It's not important to vote. (laughs) (laughs) A little humor there, Michael. Right. Um, So after that, we will order. We'll do that part, and then we will... um, try to get the discovery from the state, and that's going to involve getting the report and the videos. You can get it from the state. You can get it from the police. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. depends on where you're going to court. For instance, Shambly has a different way of doing it from Doraville, and they both have a different way of doing it from Atlanta. So, And then Gwinnett's a complete, completely different matter. So it really just depends on where you get... Where Now, when you're looking at the video, what are the, some of the things you're looking for to make sure that the police did the right way so that, you know, if, if they don't, there might be a way to get, get your client off? Well, the very first thing that we always look for is what we call reasonable articulable suspicion. That involves, I mean, we have this thing called the Constitution. Maybe you're familiar with it. I'm not sure. Um, there's a Fourth Amendment. We don't which, use that anymore, do we? Don't, you don't? We're trying to get rid of that I don't think we use days. that anymore, do we? <laughs> They're trying to get rid of it. <laughs> Well, the foundation of our law is based on it, so I hope not. (laughs) Um, So the first thing we look for is what's called reasonable articulable suspicion. And that's going to be what the court looks at is, is criminal activity afoot? Without the criminal activity, it takes away the officer's reason for stopping you for unreasonable search and seizure. That's what the clause is actually mostly referred to as. Um, So that'll be the first thing that we look for is the reasonable articulable suspicion. And then we go through the check marks that, you know, we have a list of things that we look for. Um, I like to use, when I'm explaining it to the clients and they're sitting at the conference table, I like to bring out the training manual because I have the training manual and I go through, hey, this is the list of things that they look for. So let's go through all of this list and see what they have. And this would establish what we refer to as probable cause for a DUI investigation. So we look through all of the probable cause for the DUI investigation. And then we look through the standardized field sobriety testing itself, and we go through the steps of that. This is where the video comes in really helpful because you can see everything that the officer saw that night. Uh, And then we go through everything else that goes with it, which will be um, looking at the demeanor of the client, looking at how he he or she looks on the video. Um, All of it is just legally we refer to that as a totality of the circumstances. We're going to group all of that together and say, Okay, so this is your defense. This is what we formulated for you, and this is what we're going to use. You have a good case. I've had to tell clients before, you have a bad case. This cannot go to trial. I mean, sometimes you just get a case like that. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain amount of uh, the d- different tests that they're supposed to administer before giving the breathalyzer? I mean, are they required to you know, give you a certain number of field sobriety tests? There are usually three for alcohol, um, and they are involved in the standardized field sobriety testing itself. Uh, It's referred to colloquially as the horizontal gaze nystagmus. Most people, when they hear about it, it's the follow my finger or my stimulus with your eye. And then there's there's three subsections to that part. And then they have the walk and turn, which is where they tell you to imagine a line in front of you and walk the line in front of you and come back. And they'll give you a preview on each one of these that the officer will do for you. And then the last one is the one leg stand. Um, those are the three that are used for checking for field sobriety for DUI. 
There are different ones for marijuana. There are different ones for drugs, and it's a lot more complicated. Um, but the once they finish all of that for alcohol, they'll then give you a portable breath test uh, most of the time. Uh, some officers don't do that, but some a lot of them do, a majority of them do. And based on those findings, they will then decide whether or not to arrest the individual for DUI. Does it matter if my attorney is from and practices law in the county that I was charged in? Is there any advantage to that or disadvantage? Some people, it will make them feel better. They think that they've got some what we would call home cooking. Um, mm-hmm. My family's been doing it so long that I, I, don't, I don't see an advantage to it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were in Blue Ridge, and then we went to Franklin County, and we were in Augusta. Had one in Brunswick a little while ago, so we go wherever people need help, but that's, I honestly think that's because my father was an attorney and we've been doing it for so long. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever, I mean, is it always about the breathalyzer? I mean, let's say they gave you the field sobriety test and you, you know, maybe you passed them or you, you looked pretty good or what have you, but then you blew over. I mean, is that, is that just... You can't get past that breathalyzer, um, no matter how the rest of the behavior is. Is that is that does that come into to play at all to to get a client off as far as that behavior compared to when you compare it to the breathalyzer? So, not entirely sure what that question is. It so sounds let's like let's say you blew a, a, a one a, a point one or, or whatever, but you looked pretty good doing the field sobriety test. Like you 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 looked fine, I guess. Um, so arguably, as a defense attorney, what I would be arguing is what was your blood alcohol content when you were stopped, and what was it when you were taking the fields, and what was it two hours later when you took the breathalyzer? Because science, everything moves on a bell curve. So let's say when you took the fields and everything, you were on your way up, and you were less than .08. That's something that your defense attorney is going to have to prove in order for the prosecutor to take it seriously. And that is not simple, but there are some Widmark formulas that you can use to do that. Yeah, I, w- I would think it would be very difficult, but I just wondered if it ever happened. It involves an expert witness most of the time, yeah. unless you have a prosecutor that is that really knows all of the DUI ins and outs. Well, Dan, uh, there's a lot to it in there. there. There's a lot to it's it. It's not what, simple. You know, I, we've done a lot on the DUIs. Why, yeah. don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the other uh, law you've practiced over, um, over the years? Sure. Um, well, when I was working with my father, obviously, we did real estate and family law. We still do family law. Um, I, en- I enjoy family law, and we do a lot of other criminal law as well, involving simple battery, aggravated assault, drug charges. We pretty much do all of the criminal law. Okay. When, and, and you said you enjoy the criminal part more than the, more than the family? Well, I believe that's just because I've been doing family for so long. Um, I mean, I went to work for my father when I was 14 as, right. as fun, <laughs> uh, but it was more get up out of bed. We're going to work. Right. So uh, got a lot of exposure with him to family law. So I think that's more of a experience factor than it is anything else that I'm so used to family law, but I still like doing it. <laughs> I like helping people. And that's why I got into right. doing what I do. I, I enjoy helping people. Well, we're up against a break again here, and I want to remind you folks, um, you, you know, we are here with Michael Barber, attorney. Um, 
we, we uh, always put the show out on a podcast too so you can go to apple google spotify and check out the all four seasons home show for those of you depending on what area of georgia you live in if you like listening to am we're simulcast we're not only on extra 106.3 but at the same time we simulcast on 12:30 a.m and we are the home of fox news radio um you can access our past shows on the Extra 106.3 website. So if you've heard about his show, let's say a month from now you heard about Michael being on our show, you can go on the website and you can hear the show. They're on there for posterity. So yeah, there's a lot of ad- advantages to going the different directions. We even have an app, Dan, ex- the Extra 106.3 app. You can download it on your smartphone and, and it streams 24 hours a day. Technology. It's wonderful. I'm telling you, it's wonderful. But anyway, we're going to be back in just a a few moments with Michael Barber, the attorney again. And we're going to talk about divorce, something that that hits uh, many of us sooner or later in our lives, unfortunately. So you're listening to All Four Seasons Home Show. We'll be right back after this break. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the All Four Seasons Home Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the All Four Seasons Home Show with your sponsor, Dan Watkins. I'm Jim Nearchus, and this week we're here with Michael Barber, attorney, and we've been talking a lot about criminal law and a lot on DUIs and all in the past two segments. But in our final segment, we want to talk a little bit about family law, which Michael has extensive experience with. He's a second-generation attorney here in Georgia. Let's talk about family law. How about divorce? Divorce is way up. And I think you were mentioning during the break, Michael, that COVID has actually impacted the divorce rate. Is that true? That's what we believe we're seeing. Um, Being cooped up for a very long time has a great effect on everybody's psyche. So people are cooped up. They're not cooped up making love and having fun, enjoying. They get to spend some, some time together. They actually need some time apart because they've been cooped up. Well, I'm not saying there's not COVID babies. I'm just <laughs> saying that I believe it had a, a huge impact on the psyche of everybody. And sometimes for better, yeah. uh, where the marriage got strengthened, and sometimes for a lot worse, which can end up in divorce or domestic violence. I mean, people don't understand sometimes how criminal and family law go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when that day does come up and it's time to call the lawyer for a divorce, you know, you, you've got some people that try to do this stuff on their own. Uh, I know there's some arbitrators and things like that you can do. What, what are your general thoughts about, uh, you know, when, when you're going through the divorce? I, it's not probably not a one size fits all exactly, but you know, it, if it was you and it was your and, and you were in that situation, how would you handle it and how would you advise somebody else to handle it? Well, I hope it's never me, but the the key to everything is keeping it civil. The second that everybody starts lashing out at each other and being just unruly with one another, you're never going to get anything solved because everybody wants to get that upper hand. So you have to go into it realizing everyone's not going to be happy. That will never happen because you're deconstructing a family. 
this is not, and if you have kids, it gets even worse. How much um, Valium do you use after you deal with some of these couples, uh, <laughs> Michael? Um, <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> I, I bet it's, it's, I bet it really, really can be stressful though. I'm joking about it. It's a serious thing. It, know, it's extremely stressful, <laughs> especially when you're in the case with your client for a long time. Uh, we, we treat everybody like family at the firm. So we kind of feel like we're getting involved personally with somebody when we're representing them and trying to negotiate for them and trying to work everything out. And when you, you do that, sometimes you kind of get attached to the case, attached to the person that you're trying to Especially help. Especially if there's children involved, right? Especially if there's children involved. Um, creating a broken home is never good. And there, But there are certain things that can be done to make it better for the children. You know, speaking of, of the children, from, a, from a, the dad's perspective, let's just say, I mean, back years ago, it seemed like the, the mother always got the kids, dads might get it on the weekend. Has that changed at all? I mean, is it is it uh, a little more of an equal rights for the kids now, or is it still, do they kind of side with the mother a little bit more on the kids? It's a case-by-case basis. I know, this is um, like, you can't you can't answer this stuff in a vacuum. There's always details that, you know, we're, sure. we're laying out. But uh, I've seen cases before where it was split between, the parenting time was split between the two, and I've seen when that's happened, the dad's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So we're going to have a week with me, a week with them, a week with me, a week with them. And he looked at me, and he said, that's going to be stressful on the children. And I said, yeah, but that's what you got worked out so far. And I've seen parents turn that down because they don't want to their kids to end up, for lack of a better phrasing, messed up <clears throat> because they're having to spend one week with the dad, one week with the mom. Now, that's not as impactful when the parents both live in the same school district because you're creating less stress on the children. That's going to be very important for the divorce because most of the courts are going to, what's the best interest of the child? That's the standard for when children are involved. And, and again, I mean, the, I know there's, it never works this way, but but if you if, if both parents seemed fit, you know, to take care of this child. I mean, are they going to do the 50-50? I mean, is that, is that typically how this goes down? It takes some argument, but a lot of the judges will do that if you can reach that agreement. And then if you're not going to reach that agreement, you're going to have to show why. Why should, I assume you're talking from a father's perspective, why should the father be allowed to have week on, week off, week on, week off, and split it like that? That's going to depend on how involved the father actually was uh, during the marriage. So because, that, that makes sense, and it should. I mean, that's that's really... Right. what it should depend on. How can people make their divest, their divorce less expensive? Because I've heard some outrageous amounts of money spent on divorces. And I'm not talking about high-profile divorces or d- couples that had like millions and millions of dollars. I'm talking about your average couple. Some, there's a lot of difference in what divorces cost. Sure. If or what it ended up costing the couple in the end. If you want to argue about every single little detail, it's going to get expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, because... It just depends. If if they want to argue about the ice cube trays, for instance, and I know that's just an outlandish idea, but I've seen it before where it was we were arguing about who gets the forks, who gets the knives, who gets the napkins. I mean, if you're going to argue about all that stuff, it's going to get who expensive. Who gets the portrait if, of Aunt B, right? <laughs> who gets the dog? That's the who big one. <laughs> who gets Teddy? Who gets Teddy? I lost my train of thought. Teddy is Dan's dog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it, it is interesting though. I mean, I think we've all probably had the, the people we know that have gone through the divorce and then they don't, you know, they don't have much money. They might have a hundred thousand dollars in assets between them and they end up spending it all on the lawyers just to make sure the other one doesn't get, get anything. Right. I've heard of that happening before. I've not been involved with a client that did that, but it, it can get expensive very fast. If well, you, if wanna... you keep, keep fighting, I mean, if you keep fighting over an image, it's just, 
you know, <clears throat> there's just not that much there. I mean, it's got to be, you know, you have to have seen some of that. Well, a lot of that is going to depend on the knowledge and experience of the attorneys as well. If you have a client that comes to you and wants to, the first thing I would say to the client is, okay, just understand this is about to get really expensive. If you guys are going to argue over who gets the dog, who gets the cars, who gets this, who gets that, the more we argue, the more expensive that it gets. So if you, back to your question, how can you make it cheaper? Come to an agreement. Then just have the attorney drafting out everything. The problem is those stipulations, when it comes down and it's time to sign, a lot of times that they don't want to sign at that point and then it ends up getting expensive anyways, but at least you tried. Have divorce laws changed over the years or they stay pretty much status quo? A lot of what I have seen has been changes in retirement information. Uh, you've had a lot of other changes just in the logistics and the procedures and everything. But for the most part, I mean, a divorce is a divorce. It's just going to be chaotic. Yeah, I know. Sometimes they're probably trying to get a, a retirement or something something to that effect. Is is that now become fair game for the other party to, to, to get somebody's retirement? Let's say they were a police officer and they know that retirement's coming down the road. I mean, is that something they're entitled to? So proportionally, it depends on which person I'm arguing for. But um, proportionally, it, it would depend on how, how long you were married, when you were married, when the retirement was done. Let's say, for instance, I worked for AT&T before the marriage. And then during the marriage, I worked for some other company. You're not going to get any of the retirement from AT&T, potentially. I mean, there's ways around everything. Attorneys can argue anything. Sure. Um, but arguably, that's premarital asset. So the old thing about 50-50 doesn't always react, but does it, Dan? I mean, people think that, well, I'm going to, you know, I've been married to somebody for years. I don't have any problem as long as we can work it out. You know, you know, she or he's entitled to 50%, and then you get to the divorce, and they want to take everything. Hey, listen, emotions rule the day, I'm sure, on these divorces. I'm sure sometimes, Michael, you have to say, you can't afford to get divorced. Not that I've told them they can't afford to get yeah. divorced. I just tell them that it's going to be very expensive. Yeah. Well, listen, you've been great. We appreciate it. How do people get in contact with you, Michael, if they'd like to use your services? Sure. So we have a pre-consultation on our number, which is 404-445-8494. And then, of course, we can be found on the web at barberlegalcounsel.com. Great. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you for sponsoring the show, All Four Seasons Garage and Entry Doors, sponsoring the All Four Seasons Home Show. We'll be back next week with another great show. We're going to have formerly Georgia Home Theater, the JHT Group. Don't miss it. Have a great week. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.